0: This is Florida Matters, I'm Matthew Petty. It's been more than two years since a pro-Trump mob stormed the US Capitol, and the country is still grappling with the fallout. Florida has the dubious distinction of being home to more people arrested in connection with the January 6th riot than any other state. According to the Anti-Defamation League, extremist incidents are on the rise. Sarah Emmons, the ADL's Florida Regional Director, says an added concern is that extremist groups are starting to work together. We'll hear more from Sarah Emmons later in the show. First, though, we'll talk with Washington Post reporter Tim Craig about The Hollow in Sarasota County. It's a gathering place for conservatives and has become the favorite hangout of people like President Trump's former national security adviser Michael Flynn. Craig, who is a national reporter on the America desk for The Post, visited The Hollow last summer. He describes the complex and the motivations of its founder, construction business owner Victor G. Meller, in a piece titled Slides and Rifles, Inside Florida's Playground for the Far Right. Tim Craig, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it.
1: Uh, Thank you very much.
0: So you call The Hollow an entertainment complex for like-minded conservatives in your piece, which came out in The Washington Post late last year. So for people who haven't visited The Hollow, what's it like? Could you describe it for us?
1: It is a sort of a, it resembles sort of an RV park, but there's no RVs. And you go into the sort of isolated part of Sarasota County in the southern part of the state of Florida, it's back in some marshland and you 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 get there and it's like a, a it's a large like campground but where there's a lake there are palm trees there's a, an entryway where you walk through that sort of resembles a cave and it's all designed to be a gathering spot for conservatives where they go they have meetings there they have entertainment there really they're strategizing over how best to you know remake the country and they're Uh, vein that they want. There's games for the children to play while the parents, you know, have a beer or talk. Um, There are water slides for the children. There are different kinds of games for the children. And at the same time, there are, uh, you know, sort of events, survival um, training events, firearms training events, and other things that sort of build a sense of community among the conservative members of the state of Florida and the, the nation more broadly. Uh, it's a fairly new concept and fairly, fairly new uh, complex. Just in the last couple of years it has started, but the, the goal is, is sort of to become a you know, one-stop shop for conservatives, not just politically, but also culturally.
0: So talk to us about Victor Meller. He's a former Marine. He made his money in construction, donates to conservative causes. What made him want to develop the hollow? He said,
1: you know, he he was never really that involved in politics throughout his life, he said. He was more of a businessman, but he was clearly conservative. You know, he's a very strong supporter of gun rights. And um, he actually attended the January 6th insurrection on the Capitol, although he claims he did not go in the Capitol. He was at the protest leading up to the storming of the Capitol. And he says that he you know, he sort of got the idea to do this. He wanted to, for the lack of better terms, he wanted to do something sort of further the broader goals that he saw with sort of the insurrection as well, which is conservatives are being, um, he believes, like not treated fairly. He doesn't trust the media. He believes that there needs to be a venue for conservatives to express their views and their thoughts and their sort of views on America and uh, he bought the hollow land and he started developing it. He knows a lot about building during his um, private sector career and he knows a little bit about mining. So he would mine part of the property of the hollow and then he built a lake that he then used as sort of the focal point of the, the hollow.
0: So does Victor Miller see himself as an extremist?
1: Now, he does not see himself as an extremist, um, but I think it's clear he sees, he believes that what many people would call extremists to be misaligned um, for instance he believes that the people who have been arrested for the january 6th insurrection he, he believes that they're being mistreated and that they didn't do anything wrong to warrant their arrest many of the people he associates himself with are actually known members of the proud boys which most people would call a far-right extremist group but Mr. Miller views them more as you know, fathers who are just out to sort of make their own mark on the country politically. He's, he's a former Marine, so he's very, he walks very carefully that line of saying what he believes is a, a patriot and patriotism. But if somebody would directly sort of pose a threat to the United States domestically, he says that would be a bridge too far. Even when it comes to things like the January 6th insurrection, he makes a pretty clear point that he says... He, does, he believes people who've been arrested have been mistreated, but if you assaulted a law enforcement official during the insurrection, he believes you should pay a price for that. More, more broadly, he does sort of believe that the country has steered sort of backwards in its values and its philosophies, and he believes that people are being um, mislabeled as extremists even when he views them not being extremists. The real sort of outgrowth of that is The Hollow has become now a, a hub of individuals who many people would consider to be part of extremist groups like the proud boys like some of the far right christian groups general michael flynn is one of his best friends who you know is on a nationwide tour to sort of promote christian uh, theology as it relates to politics he's really bases that out of the hollow many of the meetings are held at the hollow and he when he travels the country he tells people he hopes they're more sort of hollow like entertainment complexes developed around the country as gathering spots for the far right.
0: And you tried to reach out to General Flynn. I think you, you write in the piece that um, Victor Meller is kind of acting as his PR agent at the moment but he, he wasn't interested in chatting with you about it.
1: Yeah Mr. Flynn General Flynn does not generally speak to the main to the media unless they sort of he has a specific um, interest he does speak to the conservative media um but he goes on conservative radio programs but he generally does not give interviews i did try to reach out to him to see if he would talk to us he he declined to comment um but he you know he's very active at the hollow he's been there more than at least 50 times that we know of um and probably more than that Mm -hmm. um uh, so I, i expect going forward the hollow will remain sort of a center point of his uh efforts more broadly nationwide to promote his message
0: what do you think it is that makes Sarasota in particular and that part of uh, Florida a focal point for conservatives like General Michael Flynn and and you know the likes of Victor Mellor who set up this place where they can gather and and, and talk to each other?
1: Well, Sarasota has always been a sort of Republican stronghold. I mean, Sarasota was a Republican stronghold even when most of the rest of Florida was still Democratic relating to the era of post-Civil War political era of the United States. But it was always sort of a moderate conservatism. There was like a lot of business people would go and retire in Sarasota. So it had that sort of moderate, you know, economically conservative based philosophy. In recent years, though, it has sort of taken on a tinge of more, you know, more social conservatism and more sort of it has evolved the same way as the Republican Party nationally has evolved, become more conservative. And I think it's sort of in the last couple of years, especially with under Governor DeSantis, Florida as a whole has become more conservative. It is attracting more conservative people from around the country who are purposely deciding to retire here. General Flynn, for instance, after he left Washington D.C. in the Trump administration, he came to Sarasota. That's how he got here. And you're seeing that a number of people who some of them are described as even being members of the alt right have sort of made Sarasota region a hub. Beyond that, it is a big county, so you have. The city of Sarasota remains a relatively uh, moderate-slash-left-leaning oasis. But the rest of the county is very rural, and it's like the rest of the country. Those parts of the rural areas have grown more conservative during the Trump era, and there's really no sign of that stopping. And if anything, um, under Governor DeSantis, these trends are accelerating. So the hollows location in Florida and the hollows location in Sarasota it's kind of a broader sort of metaphor for what's happening in the entire state of Florida, where Florida in itself is sort of becoming more of a harbinger for conservative and conservative
0: views. On your visit, your reporting visit to the hollow, you talked to some of the folks who are just their families who had come to, to visit the place. What did they tell you? Like, what was the impression you got from them? What was the draw of the hollow?
1: You know, he has certain days, like one day I was there, it was like a lot of homeschool mothers over there with their children. And they said that they, they sort of get comfort over talking to other mothers and other families who have their same values. It does seem to be that people are increasingly looking out for audiences or support networks that reinforce their existing views versus challenge their views. So I, th- I think that they, s- they sort of see a community where they can go in there and everyone sort of agrees with them. They don't have to worry about talking about that they like Donald Trump. Like in some parts of the country, you know, people don't want to talk politics so they don't know what the other person believes. And I think more broadly, it's like a sense of community. Many conservatives believe that a lot of the societal structures are out to get them. They don't trust the schools. They don't trust the governments. They don't trust the media. They don't trust local institutions, and local businesses. They, they, they always think that there's, you know, things are too geared towards the left. They're too geared towards political correctness. And The Hollow is a place where they can put that all aside and they say they can be themselves. They can socialize with other parents. Their children can play in a park-like setting. At the same time, out of that, though, is becoming new groups. So you have these new groups of mothers who are forming, um, not just in Florida, but around the country, especially during the COVID era, over things about their, their views on mask mandates or their views on books in schools. So The Hollow gives them an easy venue to sort of sit, talk, make air their grievances and then take action.
0: What about plans for, or Victor Meller's plans for expansion, because you did mention General, former General Michael Flynn and his hopes that other Hollow-like complexes might emerge in other parts of the country. And you're right also that Victor Mellor has some plans to build out the hollow even further. Tell us more about that.
1: Um, well, we don't know exactly what their plans are, but I do, th- Mr. Mellor says he does hope to keep expanding the hollow to make it even larger, you know, adding exhibits. Uh, he wants to build a planetarium there. He wants it to really become a draw of, you know, for conservatives around the country and the state of Florida to come. Um to do that. Mm-hmm. He does face some challenges. Like there will be some zoning fights coming up about can he really do this? Does he have the proper document paperwork with the zoning to do that? It is in a floodplain. It's already flooded once during the hurricane. This fall, what can he realistically do there in terms of expanding? But more broadly, I think that G- General Flynn, who has been traveling around the country he, on his tour promoting his view of Christianity and his view of linking Christianity with politics. I think he sees that this is a model for other places around the country. You know, there are many other parts of the country where if the same thing as the hollow is not happening already, it's by de facto is happening because, you know, people are gathering at spots, they are sharing their views, they are strategizing over how they can remake the country. And, you know, they are also allowing in some of these groups to sort of have a presence and normalizing some of these far right groups like the Proud Boys where they're not viewed as confrontational, they're not viewed as violent, they're just viewed as you know, mainstreaming in some ways of far-right groups like the Proud Boys by giving them a venue where they too can feel comfortable operating from.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me just ask a question then about how you see the next couple of years going because of course Governor DeSantis is widely considered to be considering a, a run for president and to your point there is this sort of magnetic attraction of florida for conservatives around the country how do you see that going in florida over the next couple of years and how do you think that's going to kind of shape the stories that you're you'll be covering in the lead up to the 2024 uh, presidential election
1: i mean i think that really it very has become much a part of the story of florida not only what happened in the election but as i think as the hollow proves is like we gotta sort of figure out is the state, is the state more fundamentally changing culturally as well? I mean, Florida is now the epicenter of the fight over transgender issues. Governor DeSantis' bill that has been widely referred to as the Don't Say Gay Bill has drawn nationwide attention. Well, that originated in Florida. And DeSantis is willing to push these issues much more aggressively than even Donald Trump was willing to do it, I believe. And this is all taking place in a state that historically, if you look at Miami, if you look at other big cities, they have been very, you know, accepting and welcoming of GLBTQ residents, and sort of was the sort of the backbone of the gay rights movement at different times of history. So I think one question for Florida is: is like, has something changed, or is the state changing also more fundamentally and more culturally, and how, how does that present itself? I think it's clear. There was a lot of talk during the pandemic about, you know, hundreds of people day moving to Florida who are these people? Are they Northerners moving to the South and carrying their liberal values with them? Or are they other people moving to Florida for other reasons? And it used to be, it seemed like it was pretty divided. You know, For every person that moved to Florida that was a Republican, maybe somebody else moved here from Chicago or New York who was a lean Democrat. I think during the pandemic, what we saw, and I think this sort of bared out in the election, is no, actually a lot of people who moved here during the pandemic were Republicans or conservatives who left other parts of the Nation do the mask they didn't like the mask mandates they didn't like the vaccine mandates they were sick of democratic um, policies as it relates to taxes or they were fearful of crime and they've now found a new home in Florida and I think the, the last election part of the results or that yes they have they voting conservative as well so going forward I think is is what DeSantis has sort of created here is this a long term trend that we're going to start seeing play out in a number of different ways as it relates to the culture whether it relates to other sorts of political events, or is this sort of a short-term trend that's still just related to the pandemic?
0: Tim Craig, national reporter on the America desk for the Washington Post, thank you so much. Thank you. If you want to read Tim Craig's piece on the hollow, there's a link on our website. There you'll also find more reporting from the WSF news team on Florida's political shift to the right, including an interview on the recent appointment of conservative activists to the new College Board of Trustees. You're listening to Florida Matters, we're talking about right-wing conservatism in Florida and extremist groups two years after the January 6th uprising at the US Capitol. Coming up, the ADL says anti-Semitic incidents are on the rise. More when we return. Welcome back to Florida Matters, I'm Matthew Petty. Florida leads the nation in the number of arrests connected to the riot at the US Capitol on January 6th, 2021. The Anti-Defamation League says more than one-third of those arrested have connections to extremist groups like the Proud Boys, the Three Percenters and the Oath Keepers. Two years after the insurrection, the ADL's Florida Regional Director, Sarah Emmons, says extremist activity continues to rise in Florida. What's also concerning, more of these groups are working together. Well, Sarah Emmons, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: So according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, Florida is home to the second highest number of extremist groups in the United States, and according to the Anti-Defamation League, groups like the Three Percenters and the Proud Boys have a significant presence in the Tampa Bay region. What can you tell us about these groups? Are they growing, and why are there more of them in Florida?
2: So we have certainly seen a rise in extremist activity here in the state of Florida. ADL recently published a report called Hate in the Sunshine State, which shows a 71% increase in extremist-related incidents between 2020 and 2021. Um, And these incidents are perpetuated, as you said, by different extremist groups, whether that's the Proud Boys, the Goyam Defense League, Nat Social. There are a number of different groups who are perpetuating these anti-Semitic and hateful activities here here in the state of Florida, and this massive increase is something we're very concerned about here at the ADL.
0: Is anti-Semitic incidents, is is that one of the key types of of hate speech or hate incidents that you you track?
2: Yes. So ADL tracks anti-Semitic incidents as well well as other hateful incidents, and we've seen just a massive rise nationally and here in Florida in anti-Semitic incidents. So our 2021 audit found a 50% increase in anti-Semitic incidents here in the state of Florida. That was coming off a 40% increase the year prior.
0: And the hate in the Sunshine State report, just for the benefit of our listeners, is that something that you do every year or is it kind of on a 10-year basis? Like how often do you take a look at the numbers and see how they're tracking?
2: So our hate in the sunshine state report, which really focused on extremism here in Florida, is not something we do annually. It was something that we worked with our center on extremism um, to produce this year, given these rapid increases in extremist related incidents that we had seen in the state. Our audit of antisemitic incidents is an annual publication by ADL that we've been publishing since 1979.
0: What kind of threat do these groups pose and what What kind of action should authorities, whether it's law enforcement or the government, be taking?
2: So we are incredibly worried about this increase in extremist-related activity and extremist groups here in the state of Florida and nationally. Um, And one of the things that we're very concerned about here in the state of Florida is that these groups used to act very independently. A particular extremist group might perpetuate their own banner drops, their own flyerings in the state. But what we're starting to see more of is groups actually working in concert together, so planning demonstrations together, planning flyering, um, coming out for different activities, anti-Semitic and hateful activities in the state of Florida. And this interconnectedness of this group, these groups is something that we're particularly worried about. You know their activities, these anti-Semitic and other hateful activities, are really meant to intimidate and harass entire communities of people, and to make the Jewish community and other marginalized groups, such as the LGBTQ+ plus community, the Black community, the immigrant community, feel not safe here in the state of Florida. Um, which is something obviously we don't want for our for our communities here in Florida.
0: So what are you what are you looking for as far as a response from authorities?
2: One of the most critical things that our elected and community leaders can do after one of these incidents is to condemn this hate quickly and decisively to let these extremist groups know that their activity is not welcome here in the state of Florida. You know, we worry a lot about the normalization of hate. The more that we let these incidents happen, if our elected and community leaders don't speak out, it makes extremist groups and other individuals feel like this kind of hate is okay in our community. And that's not something we want to become normalized because we know how quickly we can, when we normalize hateful behavior, that can escalate into violence.
0: And have you seen that happen in Florida?
2: So we have seen a rise nationally in assaults against the Jewish community. That was one of the findings in our, anti, our audit of anti-Semitic incidents from 2021. Um, luckily, here in the state of Florida, we haven't had too many violent incidents yet. But again, I think it's really critical to understand that these types of flyerings, banner drops, these, this hateful messaging that is becoming normalized in our community could very quickly escalate to violence.
0: Just for the benefit of our listeners and for me as well, when you talk about flyerings and banner drops, is that a specific kind of um, activity that these groups carry out and what does it involve?
2: Sure. So I'll speak a little bit to the flyerings. So we've seen that extremist groups have been distributing hateful flyers um, in the Tampa community and really across the state and even nationwide. You know, these are flyers that say terrible things like America first did you know your race is being replaced tired of the assault on your way of life it's you or the jew so these are flyers that are distributed and oftentimes in communities and people's driveways you know, an individual in a car will drive around in the middle of the night and put these flyers in little baggies with a little bit of corn or rice to weigh it down and will distribute these into communities so that when people wake up in the morning to walk their dog or bring their kids out to the school bus, this is a flyer that they find in their community, which is obviously pretty disgusting um, and very intimidating for those communities.
0: So let's just go back to the batter drop. What what exactly is that? I mean, I think I think I know because I've I've seen some of them or I've seen footage of some of them, but for our listeners, what does a banner drop?
2: So one of the key ways that extremist groups share their messaging is by dropping banners over highways that say hateful things about the Jewish community. You know, in these past few months, we've seen a number of banners throughout Florida that say things like Kanye was right about the Jews. Um, so they'll, they'll pick up on certain things that are happening in the media and use that messaging to perpetuate their hateful messages.
0: What does it take to go from something like that to um, physical violence or, or escalate things to a, a higher level of, of danger for, for these groups? Like, and, ha- and how often do you see that kind of escalate beyond dropping banners over a highway overpass or, or distributing these hateful messages in a neighborhood as you've described?
2: I think when it can become problematic is when groups are actually coming out to perform demonstrations. Um, if there is a, a demonstration that a group has planned, there's often a counter protest of some sort where people oppose each other. And very quickly, even with law enforcement present, those demonstrations can become violent. Again, we haven't seen that yet in a significant way here in the state of Florida, but these demonstrations are happening more and more. Um, and we're, you know, of course, hoping that these don't escalate to violence. But this sort of rhetoric and building anti-Semitic and hateful attitudes through flyering through banner drops are helping to fuel the animosity um, and and could lend itself to violence.
0: And to your point, the when a demonstration happens, and there've, there've been some like in the Orlando area, for example, around the Tampa area as well, when that happens, it generates a lot of attention from the media, right? because they're, they're pretty unusual. So when it happens, it's it's um people do pay attention to it how does how do you kind of track how the media responds and what impact does media coverage have on what happens next
2: so it's an excellent question thank you for asking it because i think it's really critical how media does cover these events some of the things we recommend to media are, I think it's important for the community to know what's happening, even if it is hateful in that community, but really not encouraging. We, we encourage media not to use the names of the particular groups that are present or the names of individuals who are present at these events in order to not give them any sort of notoriety, um, to make anybody Google the groups and learn more about them, but really to talk about their demonstrations in an academic and a pure media sense, um, to let the community know, but not to elevate an expand their message
0: that's quite tricky though isn't it especially if you're like you are trying to give a sense of what's going on you know as a journalism organization or a reporter you want to name what's happening so how do you navigate that as a journalist or what's your
2: what's your recommendation So, I mean, I think the media and and journalism community really has an opportunity to not only highlight the negative things that are happening, right, these hateful demonstrations, but also the flip side of that is most of our community members do not want to see these demonstrations happening. Most of our community does not hold these anti-Semitic and hateful beliefs. And so really highlighting that, highlighting if there was a mayor or an elected official that condemned Right? If the police and law enforcement is coming out to support and make sure that we're not escalating violence, that's something to highlight. Um, so I think it, it's really about elevating the positive message and the people that don't believe these hateful things that can be a part of the story that's really important.
0: We are just past the two years since the January 6th insurrection of the US Capitol. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how January 6th fits into the narrative around extremism and extremist groups in Florida.
2: Yeah. So the January 6th insurrection, um, there were over 90 people who participated in the insurrection and were arrested afterwards in relation to it that were from the state of Florida. That's the most of any state, those 90 individuals our Center on Extremism dug into those folks, right? And we found that over a third of them, about 34% of them have ties to extremist extremist groups, largely the Proud Boys, the 3%ers and the Oath Keepers. Um, so we know, you know, given the activity on January 6th that extremism is a problem here in Florida um, and something to keep our eye on.
0: Why, why Florida? Like what's what's the draw for Florida for some of these groups and some of this activity? Is it just a factor of our Large population and growing population, or is there something else going on?
2: I think, you know, it's hard to pinpoint any one cause to why this is increasing and why extremist activity is increasing here in Florida. But one of the the critical things, really, as we think about addressing it, is thinking about that normalization of hate. Are we creating a state where extremists feel comfortable, where they feel like their message is being heard and where they're not getting pushed back on, where our elected leaders are not condemning their hateful activity and where they're being given a free pass? right, to be active in their hateful messaging. And so that's why, again, one of our main recommendations and all of our work here at ADL is condemning this hatred. Our elected leaders need to let, our elected and community leaders need to let these extremist groups know that this behavior is not acceptable in Florida.
0: Well, Sarah Emmons is the Florida Regional Director with the Anti-Defamation League. Thanks so much for your time.
2: Thank you so much.
0: And that's Florida Matters for this week. You can find us online at WUSFnews.org or via Facebook or Twitter. Search for Florida Matters. Denora Prevost is our producer. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening.